being strength in uh, services industries, manufacturing data has pulled back, and then we're getting a stronger dollar as well. So uh, looking at the way copper is traded relative to gold, uh, all these market signals uh, appropriate for the title of this podcast are suggesting that monetary policy is too tight given the trade uncertainty. From LPL Financial, welcome to Market Signals. I'm John Lynch. And I'm Ryan Dietrich. Delighted to be back on. I've been away for several weeks with a lot of a lot of travel, and uh, I'm on today with my good friend and colleague, Jeff Bookbinder up in Boston. Hey, Jeff. Hey, good morning, John. Good to be with you. We're uh, glad to have you back. Hopefully, uh, folks enjoyed listening to me and Ryan here over the last uh, couple weeks. I'm sure. I think we had record attendance, so well done, guys. Nice, nicely done. Um, yeah, but I've been uh, traveling quite a bit on business, but did have a little fun family trip last week. Took the kids to my adult children. My wife and I took our adult children and our daughter's boyfriend and our son's girlfriend to Disney for the week. So that was pretty fun. 18 years ago, we took the kids and I was carrying them. And now uh, I didn't have to carry anybody. So that worked out well. No strollers needed, huh? No strollers needed. And uh, I did buckle down and rode the roller coasters. I had been on a multi-decade abstinence from roller coasters, but I figured, what the heck, the market was in a roller coaster, so why didn't I just jump on one as well? So I jumped on five instead. <laughs> wow, I'm impressed. Uh, uh, you know, my kids are younger, uh, and you know, I used to be a big roller coaster guy, but uh, in my uh, older years, it's uh, a little tougher to to stomach those. Uh, in fact, my youngest daughter's favorite ride is the teacups that just spin around and make you dizzy. They shake around a little uh, too much, yep. Yeah, I, I don't even love those anymore. Mm-hmm. That, that, just, uh, you know, your body changes. Well, I think, you know, dads can play an important role at amusement parks. You can hold the flip-flops and you can hold the hats. And I've uh, I've done that many a time. But this this trip, I decided to go for it. But clearly, roller coaster is synonymous with what we've expected, given, uh, not with what we expected, but certainly what we experienced, and to some degree expected. I don't know if to the degree it was expected, but uh, obviously May, a difficult month. I know you and Ryan have talked about that to our listeners past few podcasts, but then we had, you know, the terrible May and the incredible rally uh, last week, seeing about 4% gains in the equity markets across most major indices. So clearly policy played a role, uncertainty in May and a degree of clarity, but by no means clarity. And Jeff, I think we really can break it down between trade monetary policy in the Federal Reserve, economic data, and ultimately how it affected earnings. And, uh, you know, we did tweak our earnings estimates. So why don't we why don't we start off on trade? Jeff, share some of your thoughts there. Yeah, sure, John. So uh, clearly good news that we got the agreement with Mexico over the weekend uh, to avoid tariffs. They made commitments to some immigration enforcement uh, and, um, you know, kind of take that off, off the, the long list of, of Policy uncertainties here. The big one is is China, of course, and there we've got uh, the G20 coming up at the end of the month, and we have not yet gotten confirmation that President Xi will meet with President Trump. Right. Maybe playing some negotiation games here. Uh, not sure for for more leverage, but uh, uh, President Trump wants to meet, and he has indicated that if um, President Xi does not meet with with him uh, here in uh, a couple of weeks that uh, those next uh, tariffs are going to go on, and um, maybe he'll even do more. 
Yeah, that'll clearly be impactful not only to global supply chains, but definitely uh, investor sentiment. And, you know, the whole thing with the Mexico tariffs, and I think to the degree that that really weighed on investor sentiment was that it was a, you know, non-economic barrier, right? It was a border situation. And uh, I think that really concerned investors. So clearly not just China. Uh, we get some clarity on Mexico. That That's wonderful. The market's breathing a sigh of relief. Uh, must make sure or must count on Presidents Trump and President Xi meeting uh, at the G20. But there are other issues too, right? We're talking European autos, and there, there are an awful lot of other issues out there that we have to be mindful of. Yeah, that's that's another concern. I mean, hopefully we make some good progress with China over the next uh, several months, but then there's the possibility that once that situation uh, has more clarity, that, that we turn to... Uh, to Europe and uh, uh, tariffs on German cars would certainly uh, be disruptive to markets, just like we've seen what can happen when you have potential China or Mexico tariffs. That's right, because you know, a man of your stature, you probably have—I think you have nine German cars in your in your uh, stable, don't you? Uh, you're you're off by nine. But, <laughs> but right? You're 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 close. Um, but I can certainly tell you that I see a lot of Mercedes and BMWs around here in Boston and uh, floating around. That's I'm sure right. Sure, you see plenty down there. Um, that's going to be uh, a, a real focus for markets if uh, if we do get that threat. Yeah, so we'll have to uh, be very, very mindful of that, and we'll be talking about that in our mid-year outlook as well. And because of that uncertainty, you know, the real challenge for us as strategists and analysts of, for the financial markets and investors and portfolio managers. You know, the, the curious thing about trade is that, you know, government can be impactful to the economy in, I guess, four primary ways, right? Whether it's regulation, government spending, taxes, and ultimately trade. And, uh, you know, we can argue that government spending has been sufficient and supportive. Uh, regulation has been sufficient and supportive. Uh, certainly the tax cuts have been a tailwind, but it's amazing how trade and that uncertainty can overwhelm the benefits of the other three. And then to the degree that uh, potential antitrust issues with some of the larger tech companies uh, come into play, then you've got a uh, tug of war going on for investor sentiment. So we, we have to be really, really mindful of that. And uh, obviously, we're paying very, very close attention. And to the degree that fiscal side of the policy equation becomes uncertain, it really is causing us to become more dependent on the monetary side, right? So Federal Reserve clearly is uh, not only gone to the pause, but now it looks like they're going to a cut. Care to comment on that, Jeff? Yeah, well, you wouldn't think we'd need a cut based on the path of the economic data. I mean, sure, the jobs report uh, last week was, was soft, no doubt, but just in general, uh, we would say economic fundamentals um, are pretty consistent with keeping rates where they are. But mm -hmm. it looks like the market's trying to force the Fed's hand here. And, uh, you know, not just calling for a cut, calling for several cuts. Right. So, you know, we'll take it. We're S&P 500 less than 2% away from its all-time high. Certainly expectations of Fed stimulus are part of the reason why we're we're back up here. Uh, but uh, we... We probably need more, right? I mean, this is just not a uh, long-term, uh, sustainable way to drive uh, bull markets. Um, and uh, at, at some point, we're going to need the fundamentals to 
to carry through and shoulder the load and you know that's one of the topics I know uh John you've written a lot about in the uh in the mid year outlook at least in the draft that's right that's right and kind of reiterating what we did in some of our weekly market commentaries uh in early April after the late march uh, uh move from overweight in domestic equities to market weight in domestic equities. Because really what, what, what concerned us at that point, Jeff, as you remember very, very well, and your voice was very powerful in that room when we were meeting those days when we were talking about how going into that late March Fed meeting, uh, the market had clearly been buying the rumor that the Fed was going to announce a pause and w- within their dot plot uh, chart and uh, the market could, you know, discern that. And the day the Fed released that and had their statement in late March, uh, the market sold off. So it was clearly buy the rumor, sell the news. And personally, I was delighted with the way the market traded. But the very next day, the market was probably at one and a half or two percent on the whole idea that, you know, money would be free for the foreseeable future. And in year 10 of an economic cycle and year 10 of a market cycle, I did not want our investors to hang their hat on free money. And then we had the you know dynamic of the the presidential tweets forcing the Fed. And you know, Ryan and I have pointed out, and you and I have pointed out that many of those tweets from the President when he was leaning on the Fed to cut rates, you know, we identified at least five, if not six of those times. Uh, u s. trade rep, Robert Lighthizer was at, and Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin were actually in uh, Beijing for trade negotiations. And, you know, one could argue that there was, you know, a a tactical effort by the president to talk about lower rates, which would weaken our currency and strengthen the the Chinese yuan. And, uh, you know, to to, to what degree that played into this whole thing. But it's it's beyond presidential treats. Wouldn't you agree, Jeff? We're we're clearly seeing uh, weakness in jobs data, Recently, we're seeing, while we're still seeing strength in uh, services industries, manufacturing data has pulled back, and then we're getting a stronger dollar as well. So uh, looking at the way copper is traded relative to gold, uh, all these market signals uh, appropriate for the title of this podcast are suggesting that monetary policy is too tight given the trade uncertainty. Yeah, that, that's the key, right? Uh, mm-hmm. if, if we all knew that uh, we'd have a smooth resolution to the U.S.-China trade dispute in the next month or two, uh, then we wouldn't be talking about rate cuts, I don't think. Mm-hmm. Right? And I, I hate to say it's binary, but it really is, right, <laughs> to some extent. Um, we're either going to get good news or bad news, most likely. And, uh, I mean, there could be room for some gray, because this is a very complex negotiation uh, on many levels. But uh, All right. If we make progress, uh, then uh, I think the economic environment can change and perception can change. And um, maybe we don't get Fed rate cuts, um, or maybe we just get one uh, rather than the uh, two or three that the market's pricing in. Yeah, I suspect that this June meeting coming up in a couple of weeks is probably too soon. Would you agree? I completely agree. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, when you get to July, um, we'll have more color, certainly, right. on the, uh, the discussions. And, um, you know, you could have a little more evidence of economic weakness uh, by that time if talks don't go well at the end of June or if they don't happen. Yeah, you know, to the degree you, you see economic weakness, 
part of what the Fed could be waiting for, maybe signaling something in June of the potential. And last week, Fed Chair Jerome Powell talked about they'll do whatever is appropriate to sustain the expansion, very similar to Mario Draghi's comment in what was it, 2012, you know, we'll do whatever it takes to support the currency and uh, to support the expansion. And obviously, uh, those words will ring throughout history. And now that Jerome Powell said something similar recently, it'll be curious to see because we saw uh, a 3.1% print for first quarter GDP. It's conceivable we see second quarter GDP at about one half that rate. Uh, We can attribute part of that to the inventory buildup in the first quarter. Typically, when you see a big surge in inventories, businesses tend to work that off uh, in the ensuing quarters. But clearly, the uncertainty is weighed on investment as well, and we're seeing that in hiring because hiring is a great example of to what degree businesses are willing to to spend. Yeah, it's still a a pretty typical mid to late cycle kind of economic picture, though. Mm -hmm. It it could get a little worse. Yeah. But, uh, you know, this is the type of slowdown in general that you would expect uh, when you get later in the cycle, right? We're celebrating the 10th birthday of the economic expansion, and it's probably not realistic to expect 200,000 jobs a month to be created continuously. It's mm-hmm. more like, you know, 100,000 to 150,000 would, would probably be more uh, appropriate. And, you know, on the we like to talk about the ISM, the Institute for Supply Management and Manufacturing Survey, uh, that, you know, typically you know, moves down to 50 and then moves up a little bit. It's, you know, it's supposed to signal slower growth at this stage of the cycle. That's right. And I think investors need to appreciate that. I'm glad you brought that up because, uh, first off, the geeky uh, analysis is that uh, on the ISM, above 50 is expansion, below 50 is contraction, and we were as high as, what, 56, 57 on manufacturing. We're down now down to about 52. I guess Germany and Japan are actually in contractionary territory, at least from their manufacturing area. But our services area, which uh, ISM also reports on, is in the 56, 57 region, and that's probably 85% of our output. So if manufacturing is only 15% of our output, uh, what we need to be mindful of is services might be the majority of economic activity, but I think you could uh, suggest that manufacturing, even though it's only 15% of the economy, it's the majority of economic volatility that we experience. So that could be something that could give the Fed cover to start announcing the potential for some policy accommodation. But then we get into another dynamic. We're in you know, record expansions, record market cycles, at least from a duration standpoint, on the market standpoint, not in magnitude yet. Uh, But does the Fed rate cut potential suggest the possibility that this is only a mid-cycle slowdown, which uh, I think people are going to have real difficulty, and I'm not sure I even buy that argument, but it's something we should keep in mind, that maybe the cycle is not as uh, close to an end as possible. What do you think? I think this cycle could... uh certainly run uh, several more years. And uh, as we highlighted in our weekly economic commentary for this week, uh, we're not seeing signs that, um, you know, we'll have a a recession in the next year. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we wrote up our five forecasters uh, a few weeks back. Uh, Same story. Really, all the indicators uh, that we look at, even the yield curve, you have to Kind of make a distinction between the portions of the yield curve and 
how deep the inversion is and how long the inversion lasts and all that. Mm-hmm. Uh, even the yield curve and, and all the other leading indicators we look at suggest to us that um, you know this expansion has certainly another year plus uh, and uh, maybe two to three. Uh, trade is clearly a risk that could end the cycle, but we think the odds that happens are quite low here. Yeah, because I think both leaders, uh, uh, to the degree that even President Xi has a job for life, uh, he's still under the gun, right? When you look at uh, equity market performance, whether you look at economic activity, uh, the will of the people, um, you know, there there's still a lot of challenges that he has to overcome, as does our president, who is, you know, running for re-election. And if we think about you know, two critical areas that could sustain the expansion or not. Business spending, as we've talked about many, many times, is so important because business spending increases productivity. Productivity increases output per hour worked. You're able to extend the economic expansion without sacrificing uh, uh, margins, uh, which can help support equity prices going forward. So to the degree that business investment continues, this cycle can continue. but it's it's possible that the next recession can be of the self-fulfilling variety. Uh, even though we're, we're focusing on fundamentals, it was the title of our 2019 outlook. And, uh, you know, we're reiterating a lot of that fundamental theme uh, as we're writing our mid-year. And we'll be focusing on that for our investors really forever, you know, thinking about fundamentals. But the election cycle could be such a drain on investor and consumer and business morale. Uh, this really could be the mother of all election seasons. Would you agree, Jeff? Yeah, I think you could just point to the fact that it's already influencing markets. And, and how many months out are we? Right, right. <laughs> They're not even you know, in Iowa yet. That's right. Uh, that's amazing, right? We've had healthcare stocks move on policy. We've had um, you know stocks that have... Uh, you know, the highest and the lowest tax rates move mm-hmm. on the potential that the Democrats raise taxes in uh, 2021. Uh, it's it's starting already, and uh, uh, it's not going to let up. Absolutely. And I, I just think something people should be mindful of, the possibility, even though fundamentals are sound, do we run the risk of, say, fourth quarter 2020, first quarter 2021, uh, businesses and consumers just combine to say, you know, tap out, I'm done. Let's just see what happens with the next administration, whether it's the president being reelected or a new incoming uh, administration. So, that, you know, that's looking at all the fundamental data now, it's hard to see anything over the next nine to 12 months at least. So we'll keep positioning that. But nonetheless, when looking at Fed activity, you know, the trade uncertainty as well as the economic data, it's played an impact on earnings, right, Jeff? And we had to make a very big decision over the past several days. And uh, why don't you talk about that reduction or tweak in our earnings forecast for 2019? Yeah, sure, John. So uh, this is tweak is a great word. This this is a small um, reduction in our earnings forecast for 2019. But given the the change in the trade discussion dynamic with uh, with China. It really started in early May when talks derailed. Um, that pushes out the um, likely scenario for any sort of agreement. Mm-hmm. And the longer that companies pay tariffs or the more that companies have to move supply chains and source uh, out of a different country, uh, that comes at a cost, and that hits earnings 
uh, more and more every day. Mm-hmm. So we took our estimates for 2019 down uh, $2.50 to $170 a share. That's uh, that operating earnings for the S&P 500. Really, Make sure everybody really understands that. Important, yeah, really important point. That's still above consensus. We still see some upside depending on the path of China trade negotiations, uh, and that is still uh, a decent amount of growth mm-hmm. from the 161 and change that we did last year. Sure. What I think has been fascinating about the whole earnings scenario over the course of the past, you know, six months or so, um, you know, you and I have never been accused, nor has Ryan been accused of being uh, gunslinging mavericks when it comes to uh, earnings forecasting. Right? We're all three very, and Barry as well, all all three very conservative investors, and we've really, you know, fine pencil with all the analysis that we've done and uh, when we originally came up with the 172.50 number uh, late last fall the street was probably 177.50 so we were five dollars below the street and then um, December happened and I just think too many analysts ran around with their hair on fire and uh, cut estimates entirely too much so we suddenly went from being the conservative you know, forecast on the street to the loose cannon Mavericks when we were almost $5 ahead of the street. And uh, I just think, you know, to the degree that the street is at 167 or 168, depending on the source, uh, and we're at 170, I think there'll be some sort of uh, combination there. Uh, as we get clarity on the Fed, we get clarity on trade, and we're still maintaining, uh, I know we got to wrap up soon, uh, but we're still maintaining uh, our belief that the market is fairly valued in, as defined by the S&P 500, uh, fair valued in the range of 3,000, which would be a 17, 17 and a half multiple on our original forecast of 172.50. If the Fed does indeed cut to support rates, to support the economy, to support the outlook due to uncertainty on trade, lower interest rates would therefore suggest a higher P.E. ratio for the market, so then suddenly we could be 17.5 or 18 times that 170 number, which still gets us fairly valued in that 3,000 range. So I want our investors to make sure we're very focused on that number. I know we're getting close, uh, but we want to make sure it's cyclically led, not defensive led. So Jeff, we've got uh, only a minute or so left. Any uh, closing comments you want to share about the trade situation, Fed, economy, or earnings? Boy, I think we covered uh, everything that I wanted to talk about. Um, I'll just say I'm really excited about the mid-year outlook. It's coming together, and uh, I don't have an exact date. Maybe you do, John, but it'll be out within the next uh, couple of weeks. Yes, hopefully within Uh, the next couple of weeks. That's right. Yeah, so that's our focus on getting that out to you. We have a real long long history of producing um, just a first-class publication, and certainly that's not going to change with this one. Yeah, it's always an exciting time. We have... uh very smart uh, analysts in research who have no creativity whatsoever, thankfully. But we have a very talented creative marketing team that does an awesome job taking our analysis and putting it into a very nice, pleasant theme for the reader. So it's a, a, a tradition unlike any other, which I believe another 
golf event uses that term, uh, but nonetheless, it is a, it's unique to LPL financially in the industry, and it uh, resonates very well with our investors, so we're very excited to be releasing it soon. So, uh, Jeff, thank you so much for your participation today. Uh, I'm glad to be back on with you and back on with our listeners. And again, talking about trade, the Fed, the economy, and earnings, still think the market's fairly valid in that 3,000 range, and uh, we'll just make sure we continue to focus on the fundamentals and as investors we will make sure we are studying economic activity uh, investment strategy how we can position portfolios and ultimately portfolio management to better serve our investors so jeff thank you very much thank you everyone for participating today wish you a very good week and we'll look forward to talking to you next week thank you well that's it for this episode Join us next week when we'll continue to analyze and discuss market signals. Stay connected by following us on Twitter, at LPL, or at LPL Research. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. LPL Market Signals is presented and produced by LPL Financial. I'm John Lynch. And I'm Ryan Dietrich. The opinions voiced in this podcast are for general information only and are not intended to provide or to construed as providing specific investment advice or recommendations for any individual security. Any economic forecast set forth in this podcast may not develop as predicted, and there can be no guarantee the strategies promoted will be successful. All performance reference is historical and is no guarantee of future results. Investing involves risks, including potential loss of principal. No investment strategy or risk management technique can guarantee return or eliminate risk in all market environments. All information referenced in the podcast is believed to be from reliable sources. However, we make no representation as to its completeness or accuracy. This research material was prepared by LPL Financial, LLC. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor, member FINRA, and SIPC. To the extent you are receiving investment advice from a separately registered independent investment advisor, Please note that LPL Financial is not an affiliate of and makes no representation with respect to such entity. The investment products sold through LPL Financial are not insured deposits and are not FDIC, NCUA insured. These products are not bank credit union obligations and are not endorsed, recommended, or guaranteed by any bank, credit union, or any government agency. The value of this investment may fluctuate. The return on the investment is not guaranteed and loss of principal is possible.